Broadcasting coast to coast. Sports talk the way it was meant to be. This is Fazy's Take. Now, here's your host, Jake Fazy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Fazy's Take podcast. We got a great show for you today. We're going to start off with Fazy's Fast Facts as usual. Then I'm going to give you my prediction for each NFL divisional winner in the coming season. We're going to talk about UFC 249, the results, and uh, how I felt about it. And we are going to finish up with the current state of the NBA. Listener shout out this week goes to my Uncle Steve over in Kansas City and all my other Kansas City family over there that listen to me every week. I thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. I hope to see you soon, and I hope you continue listening. Now, without further ado, let's get right into the show. It's the start of another episode of the Phases Take Podcast, so you know what that means. It's time for Phases Fast Facts. To talk about Loa's younger brother, Taulia, I believe I said that right, has officially entered the transfer portal. I assume his departure from Alabama has something to do with him wanting to create his own legacy rather than living in the shadow of his older brother. Seven foot two center Kai Soto from the Philippines has decided to skip college and will be the first international prospect to sign a deal in the G League program. Soto had offers from schools like Auburn, USC, and Kentucky, but chose to forego those for the G League. After NFL schedules were released, Vegas was hard at work predicting each and every game. The Baltimore Ravens are favored in every single game they play, including week three versus the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars are currently not favored in every single game they play. The Premier League has been given the okay to resume play starting June 1st. They will be the second soccer league to return to play following the Bundesliga who will start tomorrow. The states of Florida and Arizona have officially announced that major league sports are free to resume without fans in their states. Obviously, there will be no live sports until the major leagues themselves resume them, but this will ensure that all teams can resume training in those states. Gary Bettman, commissioner of the NHL, is optimistic about the return of the season. Bettman said that as of now, he is not even contemplating a full cancellation. The NFL informed its teams that their virtual offseason will be extended through the end of May rather than the previously scheduled May 15th date. This had no explanation with it, but I assume it is due to the fact that some states have reopened, but others are still on shelter-in-place orders. And the Rams released their new uniforms on Wednesday, and let me tell you, they stink. They are sponsored by IKEA, a company that sells a lot of chairs, which makes sense because the Rams are pretty much used to being sat on by every team that comes through LA nowadays. Don't blink, you'll miss them. Those are Fancy's Fast Facts. The NFL free agency boom has died down. The draft is over. The schedules are out, and I can practically smell the NFL season right around the corner. So today, I'm going to give you my early predictions for each divisional winner. Starting off with the AFC North, my pick for this division was the Baltimore Ravens. I think this pick was pretty obvious this year. There are good things going on in the other three organizations with the Browns getting a new coach, the Bengals picking up Burrow to start building a franchise around, and the Steelers have kind of just been a decent team for a while and have always put up a fight in the division. Uh, but I think they're all going to need some time to work out kinks before they're going to be able to take down the Ravens. Not to mention that Baltimore also has the easiest schedule in the NFL next year, so that is just one more reason why I think this is a safe bet. Next up, we have the AFC South, and my pick for this division is the Indianapolis Colts. Now, this may come as a surprise with the Titans' successes last year, but I think that that's simply an L.A. Rams situation to where they stink, then they're great first season, and they stink again. Okay, the Colts' offseason has been one of the best in the NFL, and no one is talking about it at all. They acquired a veteran quarterback, 
in Phillip Rivers, and some other veteran guys like uh, defensive tackle DeForest Buckner, cornerback Xavier Rhodes. They got some future stars in wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr., running back Jonathan Taylor. The Colts also already have one of the best linebackers in the NFL in Darius Leonard. They have some explosive offensive weapons in T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack. And just for the icing on the cake, they have the best offensive guard in the game of football in Quentin Nelson. So the Colts are being horribly overlooked, and I think that they should use that to just skate through the AFC South and take home the title for the division. Next up in the AFC East, my pick for this division is the Buffalo Bills. Yes, for the first time in forever, the New England Patriots are not going to win this division, okay? The Buffalo Bills have been playing at a high level. They've been a solid team. They made the playoffs last year. They have some great players. They're big three in Josh Allen. Devin Singletary now showing his true colors that he can perform in this league. Cole Beasley, a veteran over there at wide receiver. They also acquired Stephon Diggs in the offseason. So I think the Buffalo Bills are going to add to last year's success, take down the Patriots, and win the AFC East. And wrapping up the AFC, we have the AFC West. My pick for this division is the Kansas City Chiefs. Another pretty safe pick here, okay? The Chiefs are already a favorite to repeat. They kept almost every player from that stacked offense. They gained some promising rookies on both sides of the ball. And importantly, everyone else in that division is going through some changes. Drew Locke uh, is most likely starting all season for the first time in his career. The Chargers are possibly going to try out a rookie at quarterback. The Raiders have some good pieces, but making them work together may take some time. So I think the Chiefs may face some competition in the near future. But as far as next season goes, I think they have the AFC West on lock. Moving into the NFC, we're starting off with the NFC North, and my pick for the winner is the Minnesota Vikings. Now, yes, the Packers may have had some success last year, but I think the Vikings are sitting pretty this year. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is very happy with the organization right now with their selecting of Jordan Love in the draft, moving up to pick Jordan Love in the draft. I do think that's going to play a role in how they play this season. There's going to be some tensions there. The Vikings also re-signed Kirk Cousins, who may have lost a weapon in Stephon Diggs, but gained one in Justin Jefferson. And I predict the Vikings will have a top five offense in the coming season and will run the NFC North. Next up, the NFC South. My pick is the New Orleans Saints. Now, this is my favorite pick out of all of these. And you know why? Because it means that I get to explain why the Buccaneers are still going to stink next year. Okay, Tom Brady cannot throw the deep ball anymore. And you know what the Bucs have? Deep weapons. Brady is not going to fit with the Bruce Arians offense. I don't care what anybody says. End of story. The Saints were already dangerous with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, and Breeze running the show. Then they went out and added Emmanuel Sanders on top of it. I think the Saints will win the division for the fourth year in a row. Next, we have the NFC East, the infamous NFC East division, and my pick is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, this is probably the hardest pick for me because this division doesn't really have any standout winners. I mean, when you look at strength of schedule, each NFC East team falls in the 25 to 32 range, uh, which means that they all have easy schedules because they all play each other twice and they all stink. So all jokes aside, I think all four teams in this division are having some quarterback issues, but the Eagles have the best quarterback situation in the division. Danny Dimes and Dwayne Haskins are currently still finding their footing in this league. 
Dak is looking for gold on the wrong shipwreck, and the Hurts-Wentz situation is not looking too bad compared to all those. I think there's going to be some healthy competition for the starting job, and even if Jalen doesn't get it, which I don't think he will right away, he can learn from a quarterback with a similar play style to him in Carson Wentz. So overall, that division is a mess, and I think the Eagles are going to clean it up a little bit next season. Finishing it off with the NFC West, my pick for the winner of this division is the Seattle Seahawks. Now, this was a tough call. But despite popular opinion, I don't think the 49ers are going to recapture this division. It is a tough division, one of the toughest in the NFL. They sent two teams in very high up positions to the playoffs last year. But the Seahawks added Greg Olson to cap off a dominant offense led by an MVP candidate in Russell Wilson. And I think their defense proved last year that they are a problem for the 49ers. So I think that this year they're going to steal that crown. UFC 249 was last Saturday, our first real live action since the widespread closings in March. I watched the prelims live and the main card immediately after each fight was over because someone posted it on YouTube because I'm paying no 85 bucks for some fights. And here are the results. Prelims first fight, Ryan Spann defeated Sam Alvey by unanimous decision. At one point in this fight, I thought Sam Alvey was going to die. His face was turning blue uh, when Ryan Spann had him in a hold. But he ends up going the distance, and it goes to a unanimous decision, Ryan Spann winning that one. Next up, we have Bryce Mitchell versus Charles Rosa. Bryce Mitchell ends up taking this one by unanimous decision. Now, this fight was awesome. Bryce Mitchell must have put Charles Rosa in 20-plus different holds throughout the entire fight, including multiple close attempts at a twister hold, which Bryce Mitchell has done before. Credit to Rosa, though, for not tapping out because his face, like Sam Alvey's, looked purple in some of those holds, but I imagine his neck was quite sore by the end of that fight. Overall, Bryce Mitchell is on the come up in the UFC, so look out for him. Remember that name. Moving into the prelims, our first fight, Vincent Luque defeats Nico Price via a medical stoppage in the third round. One of Price's eyes was swollen shut, and the other one was on its way too, so the ref ended up calling it before he ended up taking some serious permanent damage. Following that, Carla Esparza defeats Michelle Waterson in the only female fight of the night by split decision. I thought Waterson might Waterson might steal this one, but Esparza had a late third round push that carried her to the victory. Following them, we have our first big man battle of the night. Alexia Olenek defeats Fabricio Verdum by split decision. Olenek, aka the boa constrictor, is one of the best submission artists in the game. So it was clear to see that the audience was not the only one surprised when he came out striking like crazy. Verdum was definitely prepared for a ground battle, but was caught a little off guard by Olenek's 149 total strikes. He secured three takedowns in the second round, but it was not enough as Alexia Olenek wins by split decision. In the last prelim fight of the night, Anthony Pettis defeats Donald Cerrone by unanimous decision. I felt Cowboy was a little bit cheated in this fight as the ref missed an eye poke in the third round right in the middle of his final effort that hindered his vision for the rest of the fight. The winningest fighter in UFC history now has back-to-back -back losses at age 37, so there is no telling what is next for Cowboy. Now moving into the main card, Greg Hardy defeats Jorgen DeCastro by unanimous decision. DeCastro probably should have won the fight, but an early foot injury killed his strategy. Hardy, a former NFL defensive lineman, has only been fighting in the UFC for two years, so he's not yet able to effectively switch his stance in the middle of a fight, which a lot of fighters are able to do. So DeCastro took advantage of this by kicking the absolute life out of Hardy's lead leg, knowing that he couldn't switch it to the back. So by the end of the first round, Hardy's leg was purple. 
However, DeCastro ended up sustaining a foot injury sometime in that round that prevented him from keeping those consistent kicks, allowing Greg Hardy to secure a win. Next, we get our first knockout of the night when Calvin Qatar TKO'd Jeremy Stevens in the second round. Stevens weighed in more than five pounds overweight, sparking outrage in Qatar's corner. Qatar and Stevens were going blow for blow, keeping the fight off the ground until round two when Qatar hit Stevens with one of the nastiest elbows I have ever seen, sending him to the ground where Qatar followed with two more elbows and some punches, forcing the ref to call the fight. This was the first KO of four straight to end the night. Next up, we have another heavyweight bout. Francis Ngannou defeats a man that we are going to call JR for the simplicity of this because his name is very long. His last name, I believe, is Rosenstruck. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, but I'm not going to butcher that a uh, bunch of times. He defeats him by KO 20 seconds into the first round. Obviously, there's not much to say here because the fight only lasted 20 seconds. These are two of the most powerful men in the UFC. I mean, Francis Ngannou literally looks like he could eat me. He came out swinging and caught Rosenstruck with a nasty combo that sent him flying against the cage and eventually to the canvas. Following that, we have Henry Cejudo defeating Dominic Cruz by TKO in round two. This was the first Bantamweight fight I have ever seen, and let me tell you, these dudes were scrappy. Cejudo hit Cruz with a huge knee, followed by a right hand that had Cruz not knowing what planet he was on for a second. The fight ended with a bit of a controversial call when Keith Peterson stopped the fight while Cruz seemed to be on his way up. However, UFC analysts said, if anything, he stopped the fight late and the fight should definitely have been over. Sayudo then proceeded to retire immediately after winning his second straight belt. And I looked on Twitter that night and he was facing a lot of backlash by other guys in the division saying that he was scared, he was running away, so we could see Henry Sayudo come out of retirement pretty quick. Finally, the shock of the night, Justin Gaethje defeats Tony Ferguson by TKO in the fifth round. What a fight. Tony Ferguson, obviously a heavy favorite in this fight, but that didn't phase Justin Gaethje because Gaethje absolutely battered Ferguson for five straight rounds, forcing Herb Dean to call the fight with about 120 left in the fifth round. Huge props to Tony Ferguson, though, who I now have reason to believe is not actually human because never once did he back down in that fight. The day after the fight, it was actually revealed that he fractured his orbital bone. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, it's the bone right underneath your eye, which means that he was probably being bashed in a broken bone for multiple rounds. So huge props to Tony Ferguson for hanging in till the end, basically. Uh, Gaethje was interviewed after the fight and basically finished by saying that he wanted to fight Khabib next. You know, that guy with the beard that fights bears and freezing rivers in Russia. Yeah. That dude, that dude right there. Uh, all I have to say to you, Justin, is good luck. Overall, having some live sports back was pretty awesome, and I cannot wait for soccer to start tomorrow. A lot has gone on in the NBA over the last week in terms of the future of the season. Adam Silver told players to prepare for the possibility of fanless arenas all the way through next season. We got our first look at an event with no fans, as we just talked about Saturday at UFC 249, and the athletes have had mixed reactions so far, so we'll be interested to see how they react to that one. No fans throughout the entire next season. That's not even just if they resume. Not just if they resume and play the rest of this season. That's all the way through a whole NBA season with no fans. Let me tell you, I played 2K, and I turned the crowd volume off and all the player volumes up, and it doesn't sound like a real game. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes over. Adam Silver also told players that he still hoped to have the playoffs this year, and he still hoped that they would include a seven-game series each round. This would likely require two to three neutral sites rather than each team's home arena for all the games. Finally, 
Adam Silver told the Board of Governors that he is aiming for a two to four week timetable on the decision for whether the NBA will continue this season. So big things to come, probably not in next week's episode, but possibly in the one after that on the future of the NBA. That's all I got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I really appreciate you guys stopping by to listen. It really means a lot to look on my computer every week and see that I still have people tuning in all my episodes 13 deep. I never thought I would make it this far into this, so it really means a lot, and I thank you guys. Follow me on Twitter, at Fazy's Take. Like me on Facebook, and follow me on Instagram, at Fazy's Take Podcast. And let me know what you thought of the show or something that you want to hear about in the next one for your chance to be next week's listener shout out but that is it thank you guys for listening this has been the faces take podcast